6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. We'll start with the fact that a settlement has been reached in a class action lawsuit against the federal government involving hundreds of First Nations people left out of residential school compensation. Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Carolyn Bennett says the settlement will see survivors receive cash compensation. Compensation of $10,000 for each eligible survivor class member for the harm suffered while attending an Indian residential school. The lawsuit was brought by Indigenous students known as day scholars who attended the notorious residential schools but returned to their homes at night. Ottawa says it will also invest $50 million into a day scholars revitalization fund. Meantime, new Democrats are calling on the federal government to recognize what happened at residential schools as genocide. The motion from NDP MP Leah Gowson will be tabled in the House of Commons tomorrow. Gowson says without truth, there can be no reconciliation. She notes the traumatic legacy of residential schools continues to affect First Nations communities today. You know what? We've been hearing a lot about intergenerational trauma since the discovery of the bodies of 215 children at a former residential school in Kamloops, B.C., but what exactly is it? Let's find out with Amy Bombay, who is an Anishinaabe researcher from Rainy River First Nations in Ontario. Dr. Bombay is an associate professor in the schools of nursing and psychiatry at Dalhousie University in Halifax. Dr. Bombay, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really glad to talk with you because I, you know, as everything has happened, especially over the past, you know, couple of weeks, we've heard the term intergenerational trauma quite a bit. And I think, I think there's a lot of folks out there that aren't exactly sure what it, what it means. And so I thought, you know, this is your area of expertise. So can you tell us for those trying to understand it, what exactly it is? Absolutely. Um, Our team has over the past over 10 years now been looking specifically at the intergenerational effects of the Indian residential school system. And so when we say intergenerational trauma, we're talking about um, the effects of trauma um, on the children and grandchildren of those who, who themselves experience that trauma. Um, and, and what we've found in our research um, that's specific to the, to the residential school system is that the children and grandchildren of those who, of those who attended are at increased risk for um, various mental health outcomes, including um, higher levels of psychological distress um, and substance use compared to um, Indigenous peoples who have not been affected by residential schools and, um, and compared to the non-Indigenous population. So why does that happen? There's a number of different pathways, um, and, and that's another part of our research is, is finding out, you know, what are the different pathways that puts that second and third generation at an increased risk. And um, what we found is part of it can be our, our, our more kind of social and psychological pathways um, where we see that the children and grandchildren, um, because of their parents' 
uh, experience of a bit of chronic adver- childhood adversity throughout their lives. Their parents were more at risk to continue to have their own health problems uh, and social issues throughout their lives, um, thereby impeding you know their ability um, to provide. Um, prop like good good environments for their children um, and in some cases you know that could be the intergenerational transmission of, of abuse but a lot of times it was you know things um, outside of their control just um, like not being able to provide you know having to work all the time um, and not providing you know um, enough um, you know kind of socioeconomic um, conditions um, that that would you know promote well-being um, and those parents are themselves dealing with their own tra- trauma do, uh, does it become yeah. an almost part of DNA does it become a part of genetic makeup so that's another pathway that um, research hasn't specifically looked at in the context of the residential school system, but what we know from research done in other populations, for example, um, research looking at the intergenerational effects of the Holocaust, um, we know that um, those effects of trauma in, in the parents do affect physiologically um, this, you know, the the stress response system in children in their in their children that put that in, that's one pathway that puts them at risk for um, increased you know health issues. Um, and what we know also is um, that experiences while while we you know we're born with our genes, we um, research has also shown that. Ex- Experiences, both positive and negative, can um, influence the expression of those genes, which is something called epigenetics. Hmm. Um, and in some cases, animal research has shown that those epigenetic effects can be trans- transmitted across generations. Um, we don't know for sure that that's the case um, in humans at this point, um, but uh, certainly. You know, there's there. It's in our biology. You know, there's physiological effects um, that are that are that are transmitted, and um, and so that's definitely part of the pathway to increased risk for these health outcomes that we're seeing. I, I'm curious to know why some may experience intergenerational trauma and others don't. What have you found about that? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, you know, not all residential school survivors themselves um, were impacted in the same way. Um, and that's because, you know, some, because of their different contexts that they're living, you know, we know that some families um, were actually affected by residential schools, you know, across three generations. Yeah. So for those families, um, there was really not a lot of opportunities for healing across generations whereas for other people um you know they was it was one generation which made it easier to kind of recover um from those and and the other difference that you can see across different families across different communities is is uh the differences in protective factors not everyone who experiences trauma are going to see these negative outcomes um if you have certain resilience factors that can protect against those negative effects and that what we know uh, with a lot with first nations research uh that one protective factor has been being able to engage and hold on to traditional cultures 
um, and, 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 and heal through spirituality and other aspects of traditional culture. And, um, you know, the ability of, of people to, because the residential school system specifically targeted that, um, you know, people were differentially able to kind of hold on to that and grasp on to, grasp on to that. And so there's going to be differences, um, you know, individual differences that determine and that influence, you know, the degree to which that intergenerational trauma is going to affect people. Yeah, and, and the healing process as well, right? Mm-hmm. The healing process. So in your, in your teachings, in your research, um, what have you found about how many people know about this or, or how to deal with it with, with uh, you know, with people who have have suffered, uh, who or who are dealing with it right now, and I'm curious to know what you believe needs to be done moving forward. Yeah, I think there's a number of different things um, that needs to happen. Like for for example, like just over the past 10 to 15 years, um, one of one of the outcomes of the residential school system was was this kind of uh, silence that occurred. Um, and and that's often in, in, in families who are affected, such that those were who were affected kind of just shut down and didn't didn't speak about it. Um, and so, I think over the past ten to fifteen years, a lot of healing has taken place, and things like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada and uh, has encouraged um, you know people to learn about um, their own family histories, the history of their community, and how they've been affected, so that they can you know really put into into better context some of the health and social issues they may face and and put that into the context of residential schools and colonialism rather than you know just putting the blame on themselves um and you know another i think part of the healing is for a lot of people is is reconnecting to their traditional cultures that that were often you know stolen from them um research shows that a, a lot of uh, indigenous peoples, um, you know, engage in different types of healing, but that in particular, those culture-based approaches, um, particularly for those affected by residential schools and other aspects of uh, colonialism, that really that culture um, can be really effective in, in helping them, them heal and in promoting wellness for those individuals and communities. Um, I think another key thing is um, for the larger society in, in Canada mm-hmm. to better understand um, the, you know, how residential schools and other aspects of colonialism have contributed to health and social inequities we see today so that we can hopefully stop um, some of the common people blaming Indigenous people for their um, negative health outcomes as, you know, racism and, and those negative attitudes also contribute to uh, and perpetuate and contribute to these negative health outcomes as well. Dr. Bombay, fascinating conversation. Thank you for shedding some light on this for us and uh, giving us uh, some insight into the research that you've been doing. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Take care. Dr. Amy Bombay joining us this afternoon.